Well, welcome to um, the High Five Adventure podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm a builder on the CCS department, and I will let my guests introduce themselves. My name is Bill Waite from the Oswagachi Educational Center. I'm the program director. Um, I'm Roland Crone. Uh, I work in the Pier Oswagachi, and I'm the uh, ropes course director and program guy. explain a little bit about uh, what the Oswegatchie Educational Center is and uh, you know they're a little unique in that they're owned by the New York State FFA maybe kind of explain what the FFA is and what their mission is uh, for youth today. So the New York FFA is the state level of the national FFA organization. So FFA used to mean Future Farmers of America. Nowadays, it's an empty acronym, and that's a whole other long story we don't need to get into in today. <laughs> but the New York FFA Foundation owns Oswegatchie. They bought it as a summer camp in 1946, used it primarily as a summer camp into about the 70s and 80s. They added a year-round building in 1968, maybe 1970-ish. And uh, since probably about 95, it's been used intensively as a year-round facility, offering leadership training, environmental education, and outdoor recreation inside the western foothills of the Adirondacks. We'll just start right back at the beginning, and you guys can each kind of take your turn and, and um, explain, you know, what, what was your first experiences with adventure education and, you know, what was the kind of shortened path that got you guys here? I was a camper here for, from like 1989 through about 1992, and the 91 is when they introduced the ropes course, so that's when I got exposed to the ropes course side of things. Of course, being a summer camp, there's lots of outdoor recce stuff going on, like, you know, canoeing and mountain biking. Um, and I got hired here and kept coming up to do seasonal ropes course work. And then I was at college at SUNY Morrisville and I saw a flyer or a promotional thing for Unity College in Maine. And I realized they had an environmental education program. And that sounded a little bit better to me than a normal educational stream. So then I went to went to check the college out. I decided to enroll in environmental ed. And at Unity College at the time, a lot of the environmental ed classes were outdoor recreation classes. So they kind of married them all together. And then at that point, I got to be a ropes course facilitator and a ropes course coordinator at Unity College. And uh, I just had a lot of experience there. And then when I got down there, uh, more or less, I did a year with AmeriCorps as a volunteer in Delhi, New York. And then I got hired at Oswegatchie. And since then, it's just been lots of professional development and practicing the, the art and craft of adventure education yeah Wer- weren't you like uh you said at unity college you had you were the ra of a trailer park or something yes like uh unity college and oswagachi were very similar because unity college had a lot of financial struggles that were ending in the 90s and oswagachi was very similar so unity college in maine you know there's <laughs> that's a whole nother you could go there and interview them and have a great podcast i'll tell you what but um they had housing issues and they put in a trailer park of about six trailers. So you ended up, the college ended up using those trailers for like 10 to 15 years. And I was the very last RA for the trailer park before they removed it. That's adventure in itself right there. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty awesome actually for college housing. Nice. What about you, Roland? You had a little bit of a different path. Yeah. For me, it started here as Aspagachi, but having family ties and my mother bringing students here, I would come as a kid and experienced it more from witnessing it and seeing it 
rather than actually experiencing it, at least from the um, low rope side of things and the team building, where I would come and be an advisor's kid, we kind of roam freely. We didn't have a set place or time to be anywhere except when we had to help do different work projects. So during my time, I'd either go down to the ski boat and watch kneeboarding and try to get in on that class, or I'd follow a facilitator and like go check out low ropes, but didn't actually like fully engage or interact. And that was the first time I ever saw anything over a group of people working together for a collective um, challenge that was proposed to them. And then I always partook in the high ropes part where in the afternoon our family would go out and climb. And where I grew up and lived, we were always outdoors climbing trees and climbing stuff. So like the high ropes thing really fascinated um, me and my siblings and enticed us to want to climb and do and partake in it. But after that, I didn't really be engage in being a camper at Oswegatchie. I didn't experience it on the level of most people that come through Oswegatchie of wanting to be a camper and doing all these things. Because once you're off leash as a kid and you experience a place and then they try to <laughs> refine you and tell you you have to be at places at certain times, it's like uh, it kind of loses its uh, luster. So then um, after uh, being here and seeing that, I kind of didn't be involved in the whole challenge course thing as a whole. But then I was hired here at Scratch again in 2014. And that's where I really got immersed into the whole outdoor rec and all the challenge course practitioner side of things. Great. Um, one clarification, you said you were an advisor's child. What does that mean? So an advisor is a person that comes to Oswegatchie that brings students or or donates their time in some way and is here engaging in work projects and all things Oswegatchie to promote the camp to the youth. And they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones that bring kids here. They're the ones that are out there promoting and doing the field work to get kids here on the most like base level. How would you say uh, Oswegatchie drives its mission towards helping, you know, its overall who owns them, which is the New York State FFA? All right. So with the New York FFA, you have the FFA advisors. So they're like scoutmasters at the individual schools that have ag education. So these students, they are in these ag programs for anywhere from four to six years, depending on when they start. So these students are exposed to a lot of different opportunities at their school, a lot of different things to learn. But then they go to, you know, trips to a national convention in Indianapolis or a state convention in, in Syracuse. And Aspergachi is just one more opportunity on the arsenal of resources the teachers have to open their students' eyes up to a bigger world. So teaching may bring in three kids or it might bring in 35 kids and they come here. And if they're here for summer camp, you know, they basically turn them over to us and we put on a, an excellent experience for them and they learn a tremendous amount of stuff. And, you know, for everything you're trying to teach them, as far as technical skills go, there's probably twice as much going on on a social level that allows them to function at a higher level when they go off to their next activity or next experience. And for some kids, this is the first time they've left home before they're even going to college. So we're doing, you know, it's un it's intangible all the different things we got going on for students here to help them be successful later in life, even if it's just learning how to deal with people they've never met before. Where, where do most of your, your students come from? All over New York State, um, basically all over the country, people can come here. And we don't refine it just to FFA members. We are open to the public. We're open to any kid or any individual that's looking for development and leadership, outdoor rec, um, environmental education, anyone that's interested in 
a week of stepping away from your current day life and trying to figure out yourself and being able to repurpose yourself or refocus who you want to be and reflect upon that. So we're open to everyone. So wherever you are, you can come to Oswegatchie if you're between the ages of 11 and 17 to 18. Great. And you guys also do, uh, there's college groups and adult groups, uh, in the fall time and spring. Yeah. So like for, for the, our largest collegiate, um, time is in August, the back half of August, where a lot of freshman orientation is going on and a lot of, um, colleges just want to come to get their group of people or club together and have a place that's remote and they can really interpersonally connect with one another while just meeting and really developing a deeper bond right from the get-go. Yeah. I, I think, you know, seeing a lot of the groups that have come here, I think one of the biggest pros of being here is there's no cell service as well. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. No cell phones, no Wi-Fi, uh, no TVs in the rooms, the only thing they can do is spend time with each other because why sit around doing anything else? So uh, the groups who are through here, they're all in search of quality time, but the, you need quantity time before you can have quality time. So when you're here at Oswegatchie, they get both. So, you know, whether it be a night hike or a day in the ropes course or even a paddling trip, they just have so much time together. Um, even just messing around the athletic field, they have so much more time to, I don't want to say bond, but get to know each other to help them be more successful when they go back to wherever they are in the world. A lot of times in adventure education or, you know, as you grow up, there's usually one or two people that, you know, might have helped put you in the right direction to kind of where you are now. I don't know if you can quickly think of of someone in your past that might have, you know, be a big reason to why you are here now. Just kind of explain that and what they did for you. Well, for me, it would be my ag teacher, Roy Madison, who uh, many moons ago made Oswegatchie something that I could be aware of. So 1989, he necessarily wasn't bringing a lot of campers here, but you know, he, he brought me up here to camp and I, I honestly, my first summer here, I hated it. It was a, it was not a very good camping experience. Uh, but I said, let me give it a second chance. I went back in 1990 and had a phenomenal week at camp. And apparently I really enjoyed it because I'm still here. So, um, so that would probably be the intro level guy. And then there is the art executive director, Todd Lighthall, who, took over the place at a very young age and created a lot of opportunity for other people. And when he proved there was a viable, you know, business here, it made a lot of the rest of us go, Oh, camp could be our life. So that was a, I will pick on Roy Madison and Todd Lighthall for what they've done for us. For me, it would be the start would be my family, just my family connection here. My grandfather was someone that came here. That's how my mother started coming here and bringing students here. But for me, I never intended to work here. Like I, I never had any ambition in the sense of being like, Hey, Oswegatchie is a place of, of work opportunity. Let me go there and work. Um, it wasn't until my brother who was older than me, he came and worked here right out of high school. Then I graduated high school and I didn't have any, um, thought to work here or I didn't, I didn't want to work here, I guess. And then my sister, she's a year younger than me and she came here and worked right out of high school and I was off doing my own thing and, 
and figuring out what I want to do with my life and whatnot. And then one summer there was just an opportunity. I get a phone call from my sister saying there was a, a counselor that backed out for the summer. They're looking for someone to replace them. She's like, you could, you could be potentially that person. You just got to give Bill a call. So then I called Bill. We had a quick conversation and he was like, Hey, you, you definitely have the, the um, mind to want to work here. If you want, you have a position to show up um, in two days and you can start. So I left the job that I was at and came and worked for the summer and I stayed through the fall. And since then it's just was that repetition until I got hired full time. Now you said you didn't spend a lot of time here. How did you get a lot of your experience to eventually become challenge course manager? Um, I worked here three years um, doing the ropes course and just going through the actions, went through some trainings and just did the the whole route of just experiencing it and starting to work as a low end facilitator, just not kind of just bumbling through it, I guess, where you get trained and you can only know what you got trained through. And then you don't know what you're actually doing till you've done it for long enough and, and doing it and been like, all right, I've refined my skills a little bit. I, I was actually cha- trained by Jamie my first year. <laughs> It's not where I was going with oh. this. But, well, thank, <laughs> no. you. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I've had people ask me, you know, before, especially in the building side, working at High Five, you know, how do you get to be where you are today? And, um, you know, Phil talks about this a lot on the podcast where, you know, there was that one, one or two people that kind of gave him a, a path to get to where he is, you know, if someone came up and asked you guys how to get where you are and let's say they're a young student fresh out of college or they're, you know, they're just looking to try and build up their skills. What, what kind of advice would you give them to get to where you are today? Well, (laughs) uh, I'm fortunate enough to have gotten enough hours in, in this profession to say, I don't know if I want to convince everyone to take this career path. You know, uh, there's a lot of great things to it, but you know, I think it's in every endeavor, business, whatever, eventually there is like the side of it that you are, you know, fatigued by or worn out by. So, um, I, and I would love to say that college is the path to take because that would be an easy out. I could say, yeah, go to college, look at these programs, but you know, you, you got to put in the hours no matter what to have the experiences. You know, and that's maybe being a participant or maybe being in classes where you're trained on how to be a practitioner. Um, you got to put in the hours of practicing it. So whether you're a group leader or whatever, you have to put in the hours. And on top of that, there's so many other opportunities in the modern world right now for you to learn and become excellent in your field. I mean, books, 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 they're just everywhere. And the fact that audible books are so readily available now, you can do a dramatic amount a dramatic amount of professional development just by reading and listening to books and podcasts, you know, just don't listen to, you know, any old podcast or any old book, but make sure you're purposeful in what you're listening to. And you start putting all of it together and you could have a wonderful career and make something of yourself. So for me, my advice would be just finding the things you're not good at first, the things that you don't enjoy doing, And then slowly from that point forward, you get to get deeper insight to who you are as a person and easier to identify what you start to enjoy or where you want to be, where you want to go, rather than um, being stuck in this place that you don't enjoy. And so 
there's no set way. Like I didn't follow the college pass. Um, I started education and then I, I kind of veered from it, from my career path of where I was going and where life just took me. And then that's where then life just brought me back to this place. And that changed it as a whole. So for me, the people that influence you are surrounding yourself with the right minded people, not, not allowing yourself to be surrounded by people that aren't going places that are going to hold you back, but surrounding you with people that are, or actively seeking something, actively out in the world, pursuing something, and then allowing that to help garnish the right mindset within yourself. Uh, Bill, you you said you weren't sure you want to convince people to take the path that you take. And Roland, you can probably answer this after, but um, you obviously like your job. You love your job. You've been here a long, long time. Um, I've been here for many years with you before I worked for High Five. Um, what makes you want to keep going in this job? Like what makes you wake up in the morning or go get excited to go work with a group and work with youth? And you know, what, what makes you want to continue your path? Yeah. So I think the fact that Oscar guys, when I started working here, was really emerging from kind of a dark time in its, in its past. You know, they didn't have the enrollment they needed and they didn't have the revenue they needed and a lot of the property was in really rough shape. And, the, and our numbers were so low for summer camp. You know, the reality was there was nowhere to go but up at that point. Uh, Todd had done an excellent job of doing a real heavy lifting in the beginning. Obviously, he's still here, still doing heavy lifting. Uh, but every, I knew every year things were going to be different. And there was always going to be continual improvement here at Osragachi. So, you know, sometimes it really was just, you know, another 55 kids enrolling in summer camp was a major improvement. And sometimes building the bathhouse was a major improvement. Um, and sometimes just changing how we do things philosophically was a major improvement. So, you know, I think I'm addicted to the sense of accomplishment. So like every day, if I don't get something accomplished, I just feel like garbage. Um, and sometimes it's gotta be small things. Sometimes it's big things, but if I don't continually feel like we're making something better, it's, you know, I'm not happy. So I'm pretty sure that's what gives me the drive to get out of bed every morning. And let's be honest, on top of it, you know, you're living in the middle of the Adirondack forest. You have four very large ponds. You can walk your dog for two miles every day and not have to have them on the leash. Um, you know, and you're meeting all sorts of incredibly interesting people every day. And at the end of the day, if you like working with people and you like working with kids, this is uh, a great you know, sometimes I think maybe I should be in a real school so I can interact with kids every day and, and apply my skills there. But, you know, here you kind of you get to deal with a wider variety of people and use your interpersonal skills to the best of your ability. And then for me entirely would be I just love social interaction. I'm a person that enjoys talking with people, figuring out who they are and not like analyzing them or cycle analysis of them, but just in the sense of interaction, like peer interaction, if it's good or negative and, and just being around people. And here is giving me that opportunity to provide positive interactions for the people that come here. And for the most part, people that come here want to be here, that they want to interact and they want to engage and really enjoy our facility in the company of other people, which is pretty awesome. But then even growing up, um, I was like a tennis instructor with uh, a summer camp program. Um, but it was just mainly tennis where it was just more of a day camp or day, uh, 
maybe basically glorified babysitting, but it was enjoyable and I, I enjoyed it. And then I was a snowboard instructor where we were working with fourth graders to adults and the interaction of teaching people or showing them. So there's people that come here that have never kayaked before or canoed and like things that you take for granted or even the idea of swimming where where like you don't think of swimming as a privilege until you work with people that haven't had the opportunity to swim and that they don't know how because of that. And that level of mindset or thinking that you're providing interactions that people haven't ever had is pretty awesome. And that's what basically makes me enjoy this place and really, really um, engage in everything that we offer. I, it's always good to talk about specific examples and uh, you know, what's, you know, being in this industry for many years, Bill, I'm sure you have lots of examples of this, but can you choose one example of that's why you do your job? This is why I'm here. This oh, yeah. is this was like, you know, and if you got to tell a couple examples, that's fine. But you, you don't have to mention any names or anything like that. Or there was a group of professionals here and we, you know, we get probably one in every maybe 25 groups is a, a real adult professional group. And one of my friends from high school is in the group and she's always been like a, a doer. She always got stuff done. And I'm up in that zip tree and I look down and she's got the line and she, she gets that tree and she. She goes up about three steps and she's like, no, I can't do it. And she goes back down and I just said something about the eye of the tiger. And I said something clever, uh, not quite, but I, uh, I said one or two things. Cause this girl had the eye of the tiger when she was in high school. You watch her play basketball. She was, she was a machine. And I, so I, I'm doing my zip job, you know, kind of keep an eye on the group and whatnot. And I see her, she's there. She's getting herself like mentally ready to do it again. And so I bring one or two other people to zip. They go across and then send the back line that she, her name was Michelle. She got on a carabiner clipped in and just tore up the tree, just came right up there. And she, she, and this is an, a real accomplished adult who had to take a step back, psych herself out, get ready to do it again and went and did it and had no problems. So, you know, and that was probably 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have had a ropes course for a long time here. Yes. Yeah. What about you, Roland? Um, mine would definitely be on the ropes course, but between low ropes and high ropes, I was facilitating in the morning and how we do our program. Every kid comes through and has to do low ropes. Like that is part of their, their schedule during the week. They get, um, a set amount of time doing it and then they come out to high ropes by choice like if you want to go to high ropes you have the option to come to high ropes and put it on your schedule and this one um, kid was in my low ropes group and he, we had a really good session i was just a very good day of had good kids in the group that all bought in and had the buy-in factor of what we were doing and what we were talking about and they very much opened up to each other and, and had some vulnerability with one another of, of talking about their issues and things that were happening in their life and and this one blatantly said he was scared of heights and and when you looked at him he was a small man child like he he was he was like your 15 year old kid that is a farm kid that's built he had facial hair coming in he's just a very much a man but still a child and you would think this kid had no fears like he he's as rough and tumble like tough that tough guy mentality of where when you look at someone you think they're they're sound and whatnot but you don't know what's going on upstairs you don't know what their mental um, capacity is and through talking to him he he was petrified of heights absolutely scared of heights and between the morning of low ropes and like the opening up that he did from there to the point of being high ropes he was determined to do the zip line very much similar to um michelle that bill was just talking about and he came up the tree and 
as he's coming up, he, he froze and stuck. And I was like, like, you have the option. You can go back down or you can come up. It's what you want to do. And so he decides to come up. And when he gets to the top, he sits down on the platform. He's like, I don't want to stand. I just want to sit down and I just want to hang out for a moment and, and figure out what, what I'm doing. And he's like, can you hold my hand? And here's this, this, kid or guy that's like the tough guy mentality and for the most part guys get ignored in the sense of like opening up or like having some sense of connection to other people sometimes and here he was so vulnerable like you would never like this kid you would never think like think of your like your farm kid that's like i can do it i'm i'm tough i'm big i'm strong and here he was like no like and and he he was over exuberant once he made it across and and got down he was he was pumped and like he like just it just you could just totally tell it impacted him in a way he didn't think was possible and which is pretty awesome. And then he's gone on to do things in that phase, come back. And so his fear of heights have come full circle where we have a spot where you can jump into the water and, um, and it's off like a little bit of a rock face and it's, it's pretty fun, but he's scared of heights and he's not a swimmer. And so he put a PFD on and he, he's like compared to the zip tree and whatnot. And he, he went swimming in this spot and you just saw him come up in his PFD and there's people in the water, like embracing him and like cheering him on. Cause he made the choice. He wanted to do it, but he wanted the group of people to support him and be there for him as well. And he came up and he was like a grill on the water where he's like slapping at the water and, and, and he, he fully engaged in everything that is Oswagashi, which was pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's real powerful moments that, you know, you kind of remember and, and then, you know, there's always those moments that you kind of forget about, but there's there's stuff that people will remember forever. You know, those are probably experiences that those kids are, are you know, are going to be like, they're going to talk about it later on in their their lives. So um, is there things that you have learned or maybe an experience that you might have had and how you handled it that um, now that you you're getting closer to your mastery in summer camp, you think back and go, oh, man, why did I do that? Oh yeah, and it doesn't have to be anything illegal or anything, but no, <laughs> you know, you know, just a little maybe how you handled a situation, how would you do it differently? And well, the advice I have for a lot of teachers is like year one to survive. You're not even be good at your job till after five years. You're not going to be great at your job till after twelve, and then you know, you know, when does mastery show up after that? Because there's a lot of teachers even at twenty years who aren't masters of teaching for whatever reason. Um, so I would dare say. It comes with age, but a lot of times things that you think are important aren't important at all, like at all. They don't they don't matter. And the only time you can find out if they don't matter is if you just randomly don't do them for a year. And this is a program different. Did it change? Is it people happier? And then, you know, I like to use the concept of the open hand because you can let you could you could try to control people as much as possible. But why? Like when you try to control what they do, they usually have a harder time being successful. But if you have an open hand, whether it be staff or campers or volunteers, and give them you know ownership of what's going on, or even at least the illusion of choice, they're so much more happy. So um, you know, yeah, the open hand is the one thing I've learned. You know, I will say with staff though, you know, most of the staff are between eighteen and twenty four. Usually by, you know, five years of summer camp, you've pretty much seen most of the patterns that are going to exist over the rest of your career. And um, sometimes you, you mess with staff because, you know, they are going to learn better that way after they're disappointed. And sometimes you just don't say anything to them and let them experience it on their own to see what happens. And sometimes, you know, you know, so one person can handle a situation one way and some people can't. So the open hand. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's about all I have. I don't know. Is there anything that you thought you might uh, be questioned about that I can phrase a question for you and you guys can answer? Or um, we we still have a skeleton crew of staff. You know, while that might be the program director, but I'm also like the chief, you know, janitor, uh, <laughs> like or the janitor. Uh, yeah, so we're still doing a lot of things, but you know we've we've just been in constant improvement, whether it be program or facility. We're at the point now where this dining hall is the biggest thing probably to happen to Oswegatchie in at least a generation, if not two generations. It's it's amazing what we're about to what we're about to accomplish with this new dining hall. So, and a large part of what Oswegatchie is is the collective group of people that have come here and engaged in some kind of work or volunteer where we continually have people that come back here and help us be able to do what we do by volunteering and giving back and becoming becoming part of the grander scheme of what a group of people are to self-sacrifice time and engage and, and come here. So we just hosted a, a work weekend where a group of volunteer of alumni and friends of Oswegatchie come and help us finish projects and help with the season shut down and help us do work that four of us full-time employees can't do on our own, where we have people that want to come back here, that want to engage in that quality time with one another while accomplishing tasks and and work together in a um, of purely choice fashion. Like they're only benefiting from their time of enjoying here. They're not getting paid. They're not getting anything out of it other than the the enjoyment of being around the other people that are here, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, Jim Jim Grout uh, over to High Five. He. Uh you know, he talks about this book and had us all read it one year before one of our staff retreats uh, called Legacy is by the All Blacks um, uh, rugby team. And uh, the big common phrase in that is uh, sweep the sheds. And, uh, you know, that that's just meaning like even the highest ranking player on that team still helps to sweep out the locker room and still helps to do this. No one is above the smallest task. And, you know, I feel like a lot of summer camps are like that. Like you said, you know, sometimes Bill, I know you go to, to schools to, to advertise camp and, you know, yes. <laughs> or cleaning toilets <laughs> or that morning you could have been scrubbing the toilets. Uh, you know, to, it's, a, it's uh everybody does everything. Everybody helps out. And, um, one thing I have embraced this past year, though, and I'll tell the staff this is I won't ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And it's uh, luckily when the staff realize that they, they know whether I'm cleaning a toilet or a composting toilet. Um, I am, uh, <laughs> I'm on the same level as they are. We're all, yeah. we're all working in the same direction. So yeah, you've done it and continue to do it. And our, we're fortunate too, because our campers are teenagers for the most part. So we cannot hire teenagers to be counselors. Our staff are all older. So yeah, 18, 19 is still teenagers, but you know, they're, you know, technically adults at this point. Um, so that allows us to have um, a lot more buy-in and ability when we need to get stuff done. So when it's funny, cause I always joke uh, with the sense that our typical clientele understand the whole mindset and what it is and what they're coming here for what purpose. 
and then we'll have professional groups that like find us and they, they want to come here. And it's funny cause it's, there's repetitive ones that like see us doing the same job, like doing the dishes or whatnot. And they think that's like what our, our job or role is, is like, you're like just this person. And then we go on the ropes course and you start talking about it and it like comes full circle. Like, Oh, like that's not just their job. They're not just the cleaner. They're not just this. You are the whole embodiment of the team of, of whatever needs to get done is getting done. And that it's just, Everyone has a role rather than just, just, oh, you, you, you just do that. You're just the cleaner. Like, yeah, we got this one group that's been coming through about 20 years and they don't need much ropes course programming from us, they lodging and meals and all that. And, you know, summer camp is like half of our yearly revenue and half of our yearly effort. But this one group has only ever seen me do dishes. <laughs> so I'm sure they all just thought that guy was the dishwasher. You're, you're the <laughs> longest running dishwasher. Yeah. Camp like, hey, hey, only do dishes because it needs to get done. Thanks for listening. And do it again. Thanks for listening. And can you say, uh, thanks for listening to High Five? Thanks for listening to High Five. (laughs) And then what about, thanks for listening to High Five's podcast? Can you do it? Thanks for getting. I think I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs>